Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 423. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickstraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Can't, yeah. can't, can't complain. No complaints. I'm, nice. uh, I love October. It's like one of my favorite months. Mm-hmm. So yep. I've just been enjoying the Halloween festivities. Wonderful. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing... Cosmic Dawn, which is currently streaming at the Nightstream Film Festival. We'll also be going over some of watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters and on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you in a moment. That'd be very helpful. Uh, we're, we are going to be recording the Halloween episode of Saved by the 90s this week, so prepare for that. Uh, we're going to be doing sci-fi horror this oh, year. Yeah, yeah. Got, some, got, got some exciting titles lined up for that. So stay tuned. Uh, I'll probably announce the release day for that next week on the show. Because I'll have a better idea at that point. So, All yeah, right, sure. let's, let's talk about uh, Cosmic Dawn. As I mentioned, this is screening at the Nightstream Film Festival. It's a collaboration between the Boston Underground Film Festival, Brooklyn Horror Film Festival, North Bend Film Fest, and the Overlook Film Festival. You can get tickets. Everything is online, uh, and uh, the prices are very reasonable. So if you go to nightstream.org, you can check it out on there. I have a synopsis here. Uh, After witnessing the alien abduction of her mother as a child, Aurora joins the UFO cult, The Cosmic Dawn. Now moved on from the cult, Aurora is forced to confront her past and pursue the ultimate truth about the Cosmic Dawn. This is written and directed by uh, Jefferson Maneo. Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of Cosmic Dawn? Oh boy, Cosmic Dawn. Uh, I, was pretty, I was pretty interested in this one. This one piqued my interest because of, uh, like, I like UFO cults. Mm. I like mm-hmm. anything centered around ufos i'm in i I like i like anything centered around cults so yeah and you put the two that it's a cult it's a ufo cult Hmm. Hmm. come on now great combo one it's like give it to me it's like peanut butter and jelly right there sure is and uh i gotta say that uh that that uh that my interest being piqued was rewarded early on with the the alien abduction scene that essentially kickstarts this movie because uh i love the way in which it was shot i like i love the visuals of it it was visually arresting i love the lights and like the you know everything is just this like glimmering like just light raining down in this remote area and it just it looked fantastic and i was like all right we are off on a good foot all right i am i am in let's do this now the unfortunate thing about this movie is that I want to say middle third, but it seems like it takes up more of that. I don't think it's a third of the film. I think it's like two thirds of the film that's nestled in the middle here where really nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And it's just unnecessarily going back like four, four years in the past and then in the present. And it's just it's unnecessary. I'm not sure why they're doing it. Because they're not really, they're, 
this I think this is the biggest issue for me is that it didn't it seemed like they were trying to tease something out, but there was actually nothing to tease out. They were just obfuscating or they're just stalling essentially until the end. And like we were just doing nothing. We weren't developing any characters. We didn't get any real information about this cult outside of like, you know, your witnesses. They're in the group. Okay. The Cosmic Dawn's coming. And like you learn nothing about them or the cult. Like mm-hmm. the belief, nothing. Yeah. Um, I had a very similar opinions as you here. It starts off really intrigued. Really intriguing. I mean, from the beginning, the opening, the, the opening moments, the abduction scene is great. I loved how, like, it looked like there were things, like, burnt, there was, like, smoke coming up off of, like, random things on the ground and stuff. And it, everything had this, like, pink, pink-purple sheen to it. It had almost, like, a Lovecraftian vibe. And I liked that. And I liked the, the setup the introduction to the cult, all of that stuff. When she first went to like the compound and everything leading up to that, the weird face rock formation things like all of that stuff is very intriguing. I think that one of the things that was a bit of a miss for me was the like non-linearity of it where you, jump forward four years and then you go back because when you typically, when you do something like that, it's to build the mystery. It's to build the intrigue because you jump forward four years and it's like, Oh, she's out of the cult. And I think that it's supposed to generate this, this intrigue where we're like, what happened? Like, was there a falling out? Like, you know, what, what caused this to, to transpire? But as you said, what ends up happening is not that interesting, at least to me. Like, I didn't feel like yeah. it went anywhere uh, particularly compelling. And as a result, the, the buildup with that nonlinear method of storytelling just felt very lackluster and disappointing because it sort of builds you up when you do that initial jump where it spe- it goes ahead four years, you you start, you know, trying to fit together what happened in your mind and making predictions and stuff like that. And unfortunately, the what act what what actually transpired is just not anywhere close to like the crazy shit that I had going on in my head. Yeah. And yeah. and so for me, I, I was it pretty much lost me at maybe the maybe even before the one hour mark maybe like the after the first like 30 minutes or so like shortly after she got to the compound yeah after that um i it started losing me and it just never really regained my interest unfortunately even in the end you know when the big reveals happen and stuff like it wasn't that big of a revelation to me like i wasn't like whoa Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I, it was exactly kind of what I expected it to be. Now there was like one kind of weird thing that happens. So Joshua Burge is in this. I didn't even know he was in this, but yeah, me either. Um, he his there's something that happens with his character at the end. I'm not going to spoil anything, but what happens with his character at the very end, I found to be very confusing. Like 
what? <laughs> and yeah. I didn't feel like that was really explained. It wasn't explained at all, but like I didn't feel like that was a, a justified conclusion for him. No, and it also doesn't like it kind of undercuts everything that happened before exactly. you know, like the four year like what what's exactly. such a roundabout like I, I didn't, way of doing yeah, like it felt really weird. Like I don't know, and and also just the whole general cult thing. Like this movie is not, it it doesn't feel like it really has much to say in the way of like cults. It it plays into the cults like all of the you know standard bullet points that that, that encompass a cult. There, it's all here. Like everything from like. They're all wearing like the same kind of outfits to like the uh, like the trainers to the weird rituals and stuff like that. Like all of those bullet points are here, but where it goes, it doesn't seem like it actually has anything to say regarding cults at all to me. No, no. That, yeah, I don't think I don't feel this movie's trying to be a, a commentary on anything, which is good because they would have failed miserably at that i think well yeah i mean if it even if it even attempted it because i I mean just attempting to be like an entertaining story it doesn't do a good job so no and i don't know i don't know how you could possibly end it the way you did and and still and, and try to shoehorn in some kind of commentary about cults and and stuff like that i mean the the one thing I guess you could you could say is that oftentimes people the, the people that are most susceptible to joining cults are people who have experienced some some loss in their lives and, and people who are just looking for answers, looking for something, you know, something missing in their lives. And and that's exactly what happens in, in this with the character of Aurora, but it's not anything that's like really explored too much. And I don't think anything's really explored that much. No, even like this, even like the surface level alien abduction stuff just feels very I, surface level. And that, that's the thing that really disappointed me and really upset me. Cause I think I was about like 35 minutes into this. And that's when I like I started to feel my interest waning because I started realizing and then I saw, you know, how far I, I have made it into it so far. And I'm like, okay, I am like a third of the way into this thing, just about. And I've gotten like no information. We haven't developed anything, we haven't really a, a, a developed or explored the the genesis of this cult or the beliefs of this cult or like really anything, everything is extremely, extremely surface level, just like a rough outline, you know, just bullet points. And, and it becomes very, very apparent that that's not going to happen is there is a large portion of this, of this movie, or, you know, like one of the biggest scenes in the longest lasting scene, which is them just, singing a song and dancing <laughs> and a guy on keyboards and drums come out of nowhere. No one's playing drums, but they, they show up somehow. And this must be a cosmic thing. Cosmic and like that thing. just happens for a long time. And I'm just, it's just like, no, no. Why are you doing this? I, but you don't, you don't get this. You have to give me something before you try and do this. I also must say that I did not like the, 
production design, like the aesthetic of the compound itself, it looked it looked very like set like you know like a stage sound stage to me like everything yeah. looked like all the plants looked fake and all of the sets looked like everything was made out of styrofoam to me like it, it looked unrealistic and, and slightly cheap yeah just kind of glorified so I, yeah I, I, unfortunately i wasn't really into the design of the compound itself either so uh yeah unfortunately this just wasn't it just really wasn't for me i didn't particularly find the the cult leader elise i didn't find her very interesting either like i just kind of found her annoying yeah there's just like that that entry just completely disappears just dries up and i think and i think another 15 minutes yeah i think another part of that is just because it's such a generic cult at the end of the day like Mm -hmm. it's nothing we haven't seen before even in real life, like, you know, like the Heaven's Gate cult. I mean, it seems like so, at least some aspects of this were modeled after that. And I mean, that was a real life cult. And that, that was way crazier than this. Yeah, I think, I think a big thing, too, is, like you said, with the ending, I think for me, yeah, it was disappointing because it didn't really get crazier than what I was hoping for. Um but the way that it does play out, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, you better end your movie that way. Because if, if you didn't, I just, I would be, oh, it'd be so much worse. It's just like, I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's right. You better at least give me that. So it wasn't even a matter of me being like, oh, I'm surprised. I was just kind of like, you can't end this movie <laughs> any well, other way. Yeah. If you're not going to do something wild, you got to at least do this. So do the bare minimum, which they did. So, okay, I give you a little golf clap, and then I turn off my computer and go to sleep. <laughs> mm, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I just was not. It was disappointing. Uh, I, just because I think it did start off pretty, pretty strong. So it's funny because one of the, the one of the reasons I picked this movie. It's because my wife is really into UFO cults. And she was like, yeah, I'll watch this. And I think she made it 20 minutes. And then she just turned to me and she's like, I'm just, I'm going to stop. And I'm just going to read. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to. Like, oh. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. And then like 10 minutes later, I just looked over at her and I was like, you made the right yeah, choice. She, she made the right choice. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and give Cosmic Dawn a score. What are you going to give it out of 10? Mm, I give it like a three two and a half maybe hmm. uh, i'm sitting at a uh two yeah two yeah. on this one two, yeah. two 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 and a half somewhere around there <laughs> it's just uh, yeah i just i don't know i think i think the strong opener is what really soured me on it like i think that if it was like boring and generic yeah. from the beginning <laughs> i think maybe i would have been a little bit more lenient on it but the fact that it does open strong made made it hurt, Can you imagine that her yeah. worse because you, you kind of had you had like a sliver of an expectation like oh this this might surprise me mm -hmm. this might surprise me and this is like the complete opposite of a movie like hellbender where like you don't have to have a big budget to do like good world building right mm -hmm. 
you oh, just yeah. you have to you know be well thought out like carefully crafted and everything it's just attention I, to detail this has nothing they're it, just yeah, like it, it's, it's a cult there we go it's so funny that we just did hellbender last week because the, the two movies are just night and day like the the fact that like you would think that a movie like this would have more world building in it because it feels like it's a larger scale movie, but at the same time, it's like far, far less thought out than, than something like Hellbender, which they like went above and beyond with crafting that world. Yeah. And I think this brings me back to the thing that I've brought up in the last couple of episodes. Is it better than an episode of X-Files? Not even close. No. Like you could just pick a random X-Files episode. Even one with uh, Agent Doggett. <laughs> you, you go pick one of those, and it'd still be better. And those are not good. No. All right. Uh, well, that's uh, Cosmic Dawn. If you want to check it out, it's on Nightstream. I, I think that it's still available. I'm not, I'm not sure, actually, how, the, uh, how that works with the streaming schedule. All right, let's take a look at someone we're watching on the watch list. Kevin, I believe it is your turn to kick us off this week. Oh, kept going with the UFOs and aliens. And I finally watched Signs. Oh, a little Shyamalan action. Yeah, a little M. Night Shyamalan. This is on Hulu. You know what? I have a confession. I've never seen this movie. Me either. I've never seen it. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'll watch Signs. Like, I wanted to see this when it came out, but for whatever reason, I just didn't. And then I never got around to it. Same. Oddly enough. I mean, I, heard, I always heard good things, but I just haven't, yeah. Yeah, haven't seen it. I, I also didn't realize that this is his second movie. I did not know that. I thought this was later. Hmm. I thought it was after Unbreakable, but... That's what I thought, too. But, Interesting. Um, so, I gotta say, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. I was pleasantly surprised. It's got the right amount of the hokiness. Like he, 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 he has the hokiness there, but it never it goes overboard. And there's just enough comedy, you know, like lightheartedness to it. Uh, the way in which he teases out the aliens, superb job. You know, you get, you get like a little glimpse one time where it's just like a shape, really. It just lets you know that, okay, something going on. And, you know, it lets your imagination do the rest. Uh, there, of course, there's the big reveal, which is really kind of striking and creepy. Uh, the only thing that's kind of a bummer is that at the end, there's the, like the full on like face to face encounter, mm-hmm. and it's done with CGI. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 2002. 2000, yeah. And it doesn't look good. Like it aged terribly. And it just makes me think of like, especially a movie like this, where really the only special effects that you need to do are the creatures. Like they don't do anything else. I mean, they have some crop circles, but you know, you just push over some corn. That's it. There's nothing else, right? So why? And like the aliens that are in this movie aren't like crazy or anything. Like just put a guy in a suit. Yeah. I don't. Just put a dude in a suit. I don't understand. It's definitely going to age better. You make a green suit. Yeah, but I guess I guess the whole thing is like that time during that 
the early 2000s, I think is when things started going really CG heavy. But it's so. just, it's, I think the thing that gets me looking back that I find really intriguing, and I would like to see if there is like a documentary on like the history of CGI effects and everything. Because like in the instance of this movie is the alien doesn't do anything crazy. Like the alien just stands there. And it's like, if you're going to use CGI, would like, wouldn't you be utilizing this, this new technology to just unleash your imagination and just come up with crazy characters doing crazy things, mm-hmm. just things that people can't do. But no, you just create a green dude that just stands there. That's it. That's all. Stands there like, like that's a dingus. <laughs> it's just, that's all you utilized this technology for, was to create a green dude that stands there for a little bit. That's it. Like, come on. But other than that, I mean, it's 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 a great it's a great movie. I th- I really liked it. And I mean, you got a crazy cast here. You got M- Mel Gibson, you got Joaquin Phoenix, you got Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin. I mean, yeah. All you know, early role. Michael Showalter's in here for a little bit. Mm. <laughs> nice. Which was uh, which was something. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Uh, and that's Signs. So if you haven't seen that yet, check it out. So I mostly have been watching stuff in preparation for, say, by the 90s this week. There's a couple movies that we're covering that had multiple entries in the series. And if you've heard that show, you know that I like to try to watch everything in a series. So I've been cranking out a lot of sequels and stuff this week. But there's a couple things that I can mention here that I've been catching at some of these um, horror film festivals. One is Baby Assassins. This is a Japanese film directed by Yugo Sakamoto. This isn't a horror horror film, but it's an action movie. Baby Assassins is such a dumb title for this because it doesn't really represent the movie at all, and I think that it's more of like a translation thing than anything. What what you actually have here is uh, these two girls who are in high school and they're both assassins and they graduate high school and the company that they work for tells them like, okay, look, you're high school graduates. Now you guys have to get jobs like as a cover and you have to move in together. We're going to get you an apartment. You need to become roommates, socialize yourselves more, you know, try to try to be normal people even though you're these like highly skilled, deadly assassins. So mm-hmm. what you have here is an action comedy about these two women who are just trying to live normal lives while at the same time being these ruthless killers. And it's awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's really goofy, but the action is like surprisingly top notch, really good action. It's uh, it's bloody. It's uh, lots of hand to hand combat, shootouts, all of that stuff. But there's a lot of humor in it as well. So I can definitely recommend Baby Assassins whenever it may come out. Hopefully, it'll be out some sometime soon. I just I I was hoping for more with that title. To be honest, <laughs> you were hoping that it would actually I be still- like little babies, like infants. 
I I think either either way that it that it could go, you know, the possibilities were both wild to me in the sense that it's either little babies that are assassins because they have the perfect cover, they're so damn cute, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see it coming, or it's someone that just assassinates babies, mm. which is also insane. Both you know both of those are just completely batshit insane ideas. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like that's what it is. No, but it's it's good. It's good nonetheless. There is that if you do want to see one, there's that Russian one where it's a it's like a bait I can't remember the name. I think it's called Baby Cop or something. Where it's about a like a detective, this like grizzled detective who gets put into the body of a baby <laughs> and he has to like get figure out how to get back. What was the name? I saw that at like Fantastic Fest or something like a couple years wow. ago, and I don't know if it ever came out in the U.S. Wow, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like it was Russian, and it was like Baby Cop or something ridiculous. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, uh, the only other thing I watched, which is this, this was actually a while ago, but I forgot to talk about it, and that's Thirty Days of Night. Oh, okay. Josh Hartnett vehicle from 2007, directed by David Slade. So I'm a huge fan of the comic book series. I loved the comics. I thought they were incredible. Now, I will say, from the outset, this is a phenomenal idea. And unless I'm wrong, and it has been done before, it seems kind of odd that it, it took this long to kind of put vampires in an area... Mm-hmm. Where like this, yes. where it's an isolated Alaskan town that's plunged into darkness for an entire month. You know, the sun yeah. never. It's like that's just a great idea. Mm-hmm. You got vampires here, and they come in and they set everything up in terms of like cutting down communication and everything. That they kind of trap them in the town, like they're ready to go. Uh, one of the first things about this movie that's just unnecessary, just uncalled for. It's 113 minutes long. Just, no one needs that much Josh Hartnett. That's just too much. And there's no sense of time in it. Like, it's really bizarre where everything feels like it's happening over the course of like two days. But throughout, they'll just throw in a title and be like 17 days later. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what? Are you serious? Like, in this, this scene beforehand, uh, another thing that's just very bizarre about these vampires is they have like no uh, portion control. Like there's a sequence where they're literally killing like the entire town just over the course of one day or night. Who knows? Because there's no sun. They're just murdering everyone. It's a montage sequence, of course, overhead shots and everything. They're just running through the streets, just murdering everyone. They kill like 60 people. And it's like, why wouldn't you try and stretch that out over the course of a month instead of killing 60 people in the course of one day? Seems a bit much. But, I mean, it has its moments, but there's never really any... Like, the atmosphere of this is just... Like, you know that they're coming. Like, nothing's teased out. You know the vampires are coming. The vampires come, you see them, they murder a shit ton of people... And then, uh, like, a lot of it's just sitting around with Josh Hartnett and the other members of the town, like, the last, like, seven or eight of them, just, like, waiting it out and trying to, like, you know, put together a plan. But there's really... 
there's just there's no tension there's no nothing but it does end with someone getting a fist completely through the front and the back of their skull Mm -hmm. just punched (laughs) completely straight through which i i laughed out loud for a long time i lost my composure actually (laughs) like it was just so ridiculous that I loved it. I kind of admired it. I just want that to happen more. I just want ridiculous things to happen more often in movies. So I give it a little bit for that. But overall, I can't really recommend it. All right. That is uh, 30 Days of Night. Looks like that's on a bunch of different platforms. Hulu, Peacock, Vudu, Amazon, YouTube. Maybe. Doesn't say Tubi on here, but... Uh, maybe it's also on pluto tv oh yeah pluto tv check it out on pluto what the fuck is pluto tv i don't know do you know (laughs) no i don't know uh all right the last one i'll mention is uh one called there's someone inside your house this is i caught this at fantastic fest but this is actually on netflix right now so it is a netflix movie i just literally learned about this a second before we started recording Mm. Uh, it's directed by Patrick Bryce. This is uh, He's the guy who did Creep and Creep 2, uh, which I liked both Creep and Creep 2. Uh, this one is a teen slasher, and it's a very, very conventional teen slasher. So it's, it's almost as if uh, Bryce was trying to just make a modern teen slasher that contains all of those tropes, but sort of bring it into the 21st century and make it more socially acceptable as far as like the content, you know, like when you see eighties slasher movies, it's like, Oh yeah, that is definitely the eighties. And I feel like you don't have that many slasher movies that represent this time period. And maybe that's something that you don't really recognize until like 10 or more years later. But I feel like this movie is going to be one of those movies where when you watch it, you're just like, oh, yeah, that was a, definitely a 2021 movie. Uh, just just because of the like the sociopolitical landscape of things in this in this movie. Uh, with that being said, it is a very standard slasher movie. There's not a lot of unique elements here. And even though it has a really cool title, I was a little bit disappointed because it, they're really like most of the kills don't happen inside someone's house. A lot of them happen at a high school. There's like one scene where the killer's inside the house. So it's that's that's a little disappointing. The the interesting like the hook with this is that the killer wears a mask of the person that he's killing. So if he's going after Kevin Rakestraw, he's wearing a Kevin Rakestraw mask so that you can basically look look at yourself as you're being killed, your true self. And the whole point of it is like, you know, these people, all the people that he's targeting have secrets and they're all wearing their own masks in the world because they're hiding their true selves or whatever. Interesting. Yeah. Now, question to you, and then I pose this to you, put you in this situation. You see a person wearing a mask. That's your face. What are you doing? I'm getting out of there. Yeah, you. 
Well, the thing is, like, like, this is this is insane. It's it's not going to end well in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, To give credit to the victims of this movie, most of them, as soon as they see the killer wearing their face, uh, they do get the hell out of there. They try to at least. The kills are not very inventive or anything like that. They're all pretty standard. They're they're fine. They're they're all just like kind of serviceable slasher kills. Uh, interestingly, one of them happens like at a party, like in the middle of the party, which is kind of cool. Like there, there's not like a like this killer's pretty pretty brazen. Like he he or she doesn't care. Yeah, but. At any rate, I I can only give it a very, very light recommend. I thought that it was fairly mediocre. I think that there's... If you're looking for, like, new horror movies to watch this Halloween, I think that this is going to be pretty low on the list of recommendations just because there's a lot of other stuff out there that I think is is more interesting than this. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should be able to... Maybe squeeze in some more since they took Perfect Strangers off of Hulu. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got Halloween Kills. That's the big one. Oh, yeah. You excited for this? I, I, I wouldn't say excited. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but I can't say that I'm overly excited. Mm, okay. Are you planning on going to see this in the theater? No. 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 Okay. No theaters. I'm not doing theaters for... I, the only thing I said I would do theaters for is for Dune. So mm-hmm. I just got to do Dune. The, land, the COVID landscape, I'm just, I, I'll just hang out at home or understandable. Outside, you know? Yeah, completely understandable. I, I am planning on seeing Halloween Kills in the theater, so ex- excited for that. I'll report back on it next week. We got The Last Duel coming out also. This is the... One with like Matt Damon and Adam Driver and Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, yeah. The period. The period. I have piece. never heard of this. It's a Ridley Scott movie too. Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott. I have not. I've not heard of this. This is happening a lot. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's weird times. It's definitely weird times. I didn't know that this was. I was aware of this, but I didn't know it was coming out next week. So that that's a surprise. All right, what do we have on VOD this week? We're looking at the 12th, The Invisible Mother. What is this? Uh, tells the story of a lesbian stoner and her grandparents being tormented by the psychedelic spirits of an old photo album. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Got Convergence on Netflix. Epic collaboration that spans eight countries and nine individual stories. Whoa. We have Spirit Quest. Looks like some kind of comedy, maybe. Mm. We have The Cleaner. That's maybe a thriller. Mm. Yeah, it looks like a crime thriller. Mm. Luke Wilson's in it. Okay. We have On the Fringe of Wild. That's a terrible name. Mm -hmm. Looks like maybe it's a, I don't know, coming of age story, maybe. We have Lust, Life, Love. Oh, God. That is a terrible title, too. Lust, Life, uh, Love. Come on, Give guys. me a break. Killing Eleanor. Uh, we have on the 13th, Fever Dream on Netflix. And then on the 15th, we have Hard Luck, Love Song. 
Held for Ransom, The Grand Duke of Corsica, The Blazing World, Needle in a Time Stack. <laughs> oh my god, what is up with these titles today? Needle in a Time Stack. You said Needle and a Time... I gotta look this up. <laughs> needle needle in a, and a... Yep. Needle in a Time Stack. Sci-fi. <laughs> It doesn't come up. This time stack, one word? What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, one word. One oh, word. Okay. Mm-hmm. John Ridley. Yeah, Orlando Bloom, Frida Pinto. Cynthia. Uh, Leslie Odom. Okay. Needle in a time stack. But, oh my god, a devoted husband will stop at nothing to save his marriage when it's destroyed by a time traveling rival. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh god. Yeah, so keep an, keep an eye out for that one. There's a guy, I'm guessing Orlando Bloom, maybe, using time travel to go back, or in the future, I don't know, I don't know if he's going back or if he's going forward, to steal a guy's wife. Yeah, it looks like that it's, what, that's what it sounds like to me. He's an ex-husband, so. Wow. Orlando Bloom's an ex-husband who's warping time. <laughs> to try and get his ex-wife, his ex-wife back. back. okay wow can love endure in a future where time is fluid and all of life may just be an illusion wow Mm. and i love that the tagline is love is drawn in the form of a circle yeah (laughs) god damn it all right demigod is coming out it's a horror movie we got Grave Intentions, Seven Directors, Five Tales of Terror, One Grave Lesson. I'm still, I'm sorry. I just remembered Time Stack. It started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, someone like thought that they were really clever coming up with that. Instead of, hey, guys, a- guys, instead of needle in a haystack, what if, now hear me out, <laughs> hear me out, Time Stack. Needle in a and time I stack. They're the only person that likes it. I have a feeling that every other person is just like, what? Yeah. Oh, I guess. It, it would be really? funny if they, if they heard the pitch, they thought it was so bad that they were just like, fuck it, let's just do it. And it's just a giant troll. Like, it's just because they knew that everybody would make fun of the title. And the person it's that came just, up with it is like, a big dick or something like in the office, like nobody likes him or whatever. And it was all just a big goof. Like they knew that people were going to make fun of that title. Perhaps. Uh, Anyway, um, slumber party massacre is also going to be coming out on sci-fi. That's a remake of the, uh, eighties flick, which, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the original slumber party massacre. So I'm going to give this one a look because, uh, I, Caught the trailer, and it actually looks pretty decent, so I'll be checking that one out. On right. Blu-ray this week, we have Misery coming out in 4K. We got Legend, the 1985 fantasy film. That's coming out on Arrow. It's going to be a limited really? edition. Yep. Wow. Yeah, right. it's a, not, not a typical Arrow release, no. but a cool one nonetheless. Uh, we have The Green Knight coming out. That's going to be in like all the different editions. There's a steel book, 4K, regular, whatever. Carlito's Way is coming out on 4K. We got Free Guy coming out. That's the one with Ryde Reynolds. Deadly Fiend from 1986. 
Uh, Inglorious Bastards is coming out on 4K. That's going to be some sort of limited edition steel book. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, the the Snake Girl and the Silver Haired Witch from 1968. That's going to be on Arrow. There's a Friday the Thirteenth eight movie collection. Oh. Yeah, but I have a feeling. So this, oh yeah, we talked about this before. Actually, this one is the one that does not include Jason X, Jason Goes to Hell, or Freddy versus Jason, or the remake. I don't think. So forget that. All right, what else we have here? Uh, 99.9 Frequency of Terror from 1997. That is the most terrifying frequency. Mm. I think that the most terrifying frequency is 98.5 WYCR, the pop music station in York. Could very well be. What was the other one? 105.7 The X. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> that's the that's most terrifying. Like it. <laughs> Remember it used to be called The Edge, and then they changed it to The X? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. God, the, the random shit that I remember. Yep. That's good, and that's the funny thing, is that's going to stay with you forever. Yeah, it will. You're going to be in a goddamn nursing home, 97 <laughs> years old. <laughs> I'm not going to remember my family. You're going to be able to say, can be like, can you turn on 1057 The X? And <laughs> the, the person working there is going to I have no fucking idea what he's talking about. <laughs> oh god i wonder if that i mean i I guess it's probably still on the air right oh yeah oh without a doubt i mean what do they like what kind of music do they play on there i wonder the same that they've always played live (laughs) (laughs) alice in chains and live yeah and like disturbed and stained puddle of mud yeah all that stuff you know uh Nice. All right. <laughs> oh, right man. now they're playing. They're playing main skin. I want to be your slave. Oh, nice. Uh, anyway, we have survived the game. That's the one with Bruce Willis that came out on VOD last week. We got Youth in Revolt, two thousand nine. That's pretty much it. What about Criterion's? Oh, we got one, and that's High Sierra from nineteen forty one. Ida Lupino and uh, Humphrey Bogart. Hmm. Classic. I would assume. Yeah, I don't know. I never saw it. it. You know, it sounds pretty good. The, the he's uh, the Humphrey Bogart. He's he's a career criminal, and he, he just wants to settle down. But he decides to get together with a group for one last heist mm-hmm. in the Sierra Nevada. Oh, oh boy, just one last go. Hmm. So it's it's always what it is. And I bet things go horribly awry. You know it. All right. uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Uh